bruising and scarring that takes place, a lot of difficult situations. Jesus does warn us in the Gospel of John that in this life you'll have much hardship, but take heart, I've overcome the world. And so the Lord wants to see us go all the way to the end. And one of the advantages of getting a little bit older, I'm at least 75% of my life lived, and um, that's a fact, and uh, is how I can look back and see what God really, how God works and the, the, the faithfulness of God and how powerful he is to sustain and keep us right the way to the end. Because, you know, I, was, I did motor racing for 10 years, and there's a saying in motor racing, in order to finish first, first you have to finish. In order to finish first, first you have to finish. And I'm sure it applies to most sports and um, things in life. But <clears throat> So, you know, Paul uh, writes um, with the scriptures in Hebrews 12. Do you want to put up Hebrews 12, 1 to 3? I love the little piece that Andrew was throwing out at the end there. Everyone has got to be in position and playing their part. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that so hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the Father. So Jesus right now, consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So Jesus is now sitting at the right hand of the Father, but he got there by going through the race marked out for him. So for every one of you sitting here this morning, there's a race God's marked out for you. It's all different, but it yet all combines and all serves God's plans and purposes to glorify him. So every one of you, You've got to work out, are you in God's plan? Are you on the, on the route that is marked out for him? About a year ago, I was in the Netherlands visiting our church there in, in um, Ardavata, and they're about 50 kilometers below Amsterdam where my son lives. So the guy lent me his car, and he said, go and see your son. And I'm not very, um, or fair, not very familiar with driving on the wrong side of the road, and, um, and I didn't have Jenny with me. So she'd normally have the GPS and call out the directions. So I set my GPS, it was down on the gear lever, it wasn't even in front of me. It was the most nightmarish trip you can imagine, for me it was. And, and Amsterdam's got another set of rules altogether. But I, I, it had the little blue line. And there were times when I got off the blue line onto the grey line. And we call our GPS lady Mildred. I don't know why, but we've called her that. And uh, Mildred gets very upset if you go off course. And... Uh, but she actually stopped talking to me. You know, I got into the grey line, and Mildred wasn't talking. I didn't have Jenny, so I had no one telling me. I was trying to get up, back onto the blue line. And Netherlands has got one-way streets. It's got rules. That, that, that the cyclists sometimes have got more, you know. I think I, I might have killed about 50 cyclists. I think they're still looking for me, the Amsterdam police. Um, it's, it's wild driving in Amsterdam. And it was so tense getting off that line and getting back onto the line. So you've got a path that God's... God's for you. And having look, looking back over my journey of 42 years of knowing the Lord, Jenny, about nearly 50 years of knowing the Lord, I've seen there times when I've got off the blue line and I wasn't always running the race marked out for me. And I had to listen for Mildred, listen for God's voice, the Holy Spirit guiding me back onto track. See, God always, if you, still, if you submit it to him, if your heart is for the Lord Jesus, he will, he will make sure, he will get you to the end. You may deviate every now and again, but if you keep presenting your heart back to him, he will get you back onto the blue line. He, the end is where he's worried about. The journey may go gray every now and again, get onto the gray line, but he will get you 
to the destination that he's got and the plan and the purpose for you. It's best to stay on the blue line because it's safer, it's better, it's quicker, um, it's easier. So listen carefully to the Holy Spirit to run the race marked out for you. Um, along this journey, yeah, um, 1 Corinthians 9 verse 4, if you can put that up, I'll just gonna put three scriptures up. Um, that doesn't look right. <laughs> yes, you do have the right to feed and drink. Um, just to answer that question. Um, it's the one run to look for the run to get the prize in 1 Corinthians. I must have written it down incorrectly. Um, haven't got Google there. One, it's both the, the one where Paul says, run to get the prize. Let's see if I got this one right. Philippians 3.14. But wait. There's more. I press on towards the goal to win the prize which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So there's a goal that we press on towards where God wants to get us uh, continuously. That other scripture is supposed to say, we Paul says, I run for the prize that's waiting for me. There is a reward and a prize that God's got for you. Even Paul says, you know, I've run my race. He starts writing. He says, I've run my race. And what awaits me now is the prize, the reward uh, that I've, gonna, I've earned through serving God. And then Peter writes as well in his letters. He says that, um, you know, my, the end is near for me, but I want to make sure when I go that you remember these things and you walk in them. And this is the perseverance that God wants us to walk in in this life. You know, having served the Lord for 42 years now, I've seen many people fall by the wayside. And looking around, thankfully, a lot of you guys are young still, and you've got a lot of opportunity. Even the older folk who here, gray hairs, we can still always get back onto that blue line and finish well. There's many times I've sat with an older folk, and you can see the old people. They've got two choices, I think, to make in this life, to dial out and sit at the back or to stay in the front and run with the young guys. We can't allow just the young guys to run on their own with their energy. The old folk... I mean, where, where's the, you know, the Hillsong cons, uh, DVDs I used to make, I don't know, 20 years ago? And they're all young people, one way, Jesus, you know, and all, all young folk. I'm thinking, where's the older folk? And where are those guys today? How many of them are still serving God? How many of them, you know, we should have a, a worship DVD with just gray hair people. And they're all going for it. Some are frames in the air. Wave yours, some are frames in the air. Um, I don't know what Zimmer frames are, those little frames that old guys walk with. Um, so, but we, we've, there's a race to run, and there's only got one life to live. And there's some, I don't know, if, I'm, I think I'm just expressing the heart of God. There's a passion for his people to stay the course, to stay on the blue line, to, to have that destination, to get there all the way to the end. Anybody found that scripture yet? Run to get the prize. No one? Hmm? You got it. There we go. Oh, it was, I've said 14, no, it's 24. Do you not know that in a race all the runners compete, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. So every athlete, athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So you're not, we're not competing against each other. You're competing with yourself. You're competing with your own life to make sure that you run that race all the way to the end. You got to, you know, athletes exercise self-control. The best athletes who run the Comrades Marathon are those in their 40s because they've learned when they hit that pain wall, um, it's hard to push through. The younger folk panic. They either go too hard or too slow because they don't know how to handle. And as they go through those, those times of, of difficulty, they learn how to pace themselves and run all the way to the end. And so there's something, that's why the young folk need the older folk. The need sometimes is going to be okay. You're going to make it. Don't worry. Don't panic. 
It's going to be okay. Because often as a younger folk, I, I had a, when, I, when I walked with the Lord as a young person, like, what is this? What is am I experiencing? Sometimes you'll have doubts, you'll have confusion. You know, God, how do you work? And, and Lord, where are you in all this? This time last week, we were in George, as I said. And it was a very difficult meeting. It was their most difficult meeting in five years. I think they've been going as a congregation. Because yesterday was Saturday. And a week ago, one of their youth drowned at the age of 18. He got into difficulty. It was in the News 24. We were there. We just got back from a meeting, and they said he's, he's drowned. The police have just arrived at the dam. They're using sonar, trying to find the body. He panicked. Um, the wind came up, and he was on a, on a lilo thing, and it blew away, and he was out in the water. And there was a, young, a 16-year-old girl with him, and she tried to calm him down. He was a good swimmer, apparently. But she held his hand as he went down and let go, and they never saw him. His body came up on Monday. And so you just realize... And they had to walk the congregation through that. Chad led incredibly well. Because this is, you know, you can imagine, all the youth came to church weeping and crying. And, and I've, I've, last time I was here, I think I shared the story of 2009 and this congregation. Um, 2008, this congregation was planted, beginning of 2008. 2009, we had Tanil, who was 25-year-old, in this church, um, two weeks before she was about to get married. And she was a teacher at Jan van Riebeck. And she had led many to the Lord there in her time. Two weeks before she gets married, she gets an aneurysm on a Wednesday. We were there, Lisa, in those times. Yeah, and we, we camped at Cape Medi Clinic from the Wednesday to the Sunday, praying for her. She was in a coma on life support. And I sat with the fiancé on the Sunday afternoon when they switched off the machines. And uh, were you in the chapel at the time? I can't remember. I went, we went to the chapel and said, guys, come. She's, it's over. Let's go to church. Because we used to meet in the afternoons at that Toffle something school down in Seapoint. And God's like, how can you go to church now? Let's go to church. Let's worship God. She's with the Lord Jesus now. She's celebrating with the Lord. See, those who've gone, don't worry about this stuff. It's us who remain who've got to carry on. And many people, family members got really hurt in that time and, and fell away from the Lord. And I've seen that happen so many times. Where See, if your foundations, one of my main points this morning, what are your foundations like? What is your understanding of how, what God is like? And I'd like to read 1 Corinthians 13 in the reverse order. Because normally we think of 1 Corinthians 13 of us loving. You know, we read it. I do, I'm a marriage officer. I do a lot of weddings. Did do a lot of weddings. And, um, and you always, often will read 1 Corinthians 13. And the, the definition of love, love is kind, love is gentle, love always believes the best, love trusts. All these things about love. But, you know, in 1 John 4, 8 and, and, and verse 16... Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. And 16, and so we know and rely on the, on, on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God, and God in him. God is love. Now, how do you tell the parents of an 18-year-old who's just drowned that God is love? I've, sat with, I've t- often sat with people as they've died. The hardest is the young folk. When I go to school hospital, as I was there with the mother, as an 18-year-old girl died of leukemia, and to hear a cry of a mother is something that you'll never forget. But what is, your, what is your understanding of God, that he is God of love? How do you, def, how do you comprehend and with, the, with the pain in this life and the stuff that people have to go through and deal with, with a God of love? Because you know, he's, not, he's not focused, he's not this world, that's the thing. 
This is not his main focus. This life points to the next. It points us to eternity. So you've got to have your foundations right. If you're not standing on the rock of Christ, and understanding he's a God of love in every situation, not just some. And we've had a lot, we've had babies die of late and drownings. Two year old the other day, one of our lead elder in Worcester Church. And, uh, you know, how do you comprehend? Um, and how do you carry on when things like that come through? Because you've got to know your God. You've got to know his heart. And then if we start worshiping this life and saying, well, eternity is just an attachment to this life. You know, it's just a nice to have later on. And this is what it's all about. Then we're going to miss the plot totally. We're not going, to, not going to live this life in the fullness and the joy and the peace that God's called us to. Because then we start seeing all the movements arising, all the quality movements and all sorts of things worldwide. And there will never be peace on this earth. You can have the United Nations till the cows come home. Before they had the League of Nations. Um, you know, you get all these peacekeeping forces. But the reality, there will never be peace on this earth until Jesus comes back. Because this conflict, this, this world has been given over for a season to the enemy. And his, his agenda is to cause conflict and division and people turn people against each other. But God is the foundation of who he is. If you fix your eyes on Jesus, and it sounds so cliche, doesn't it? Fix your eyes on Jesus. What does that mean? Where is he? I can't see him. Well, he's, he's in us. He's in, he's in us. He's, he lives by us with the Holy Spirit. He's alive right now. He's reigning and ruling on the, on, next, next to the Father. The Father is alive. He's going powerfully and strong and working all things for the good of those who love him. He's a God who loves intensely. Can we put up 1 Corinthians 13, the, the part about love? Um, love is patient. Now imagine this is God towards you, okay? Because we always think of this as us towards the person we're getting married to and things like that. But think of that. This is not God talking to you. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. Is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. And then it starts talking about the gifts of the temporary gifts of this lifetime, that they will pass away. But that's God's heart towards us. God is kind, God is gentle. God is loving towards you. So even in the what seems like a desperate situation, this life is not desperate to God. He's big picture. He's thinking eternity. He's building for eternity. And he's asking us to be a resilient people. So this morning, can you settle in your heart that God is good in every circumstance? Otherwise, if you don't prepare for that, if you don't settle that, when trial comes, not if, when it comes, you will doubt God. You will struggle to understand God. Struggle to, what is God? What is going on here? But if you set your heart on him 100%, say, Lord, don't, we don't always understand because we think worldly thoughts. We've got to line our minds on the mind of Christ. We've got to get hold of the Lord, what are you saying? The kingdom values, we sang about kingdom come this morning. Kingdom values are always so different to this world. This world is all about me. What can I get? Here's, here's something, you know, people, oh, I don't know if I should go down this road. Right but um, I'm going to cause confusion. Okay, let me just think about that and I'll keep moving on. So what is God's nature? If you settle God's nature this morning, what he's like, then when you face trials and tribulations, it'll be so different in the way you handle them. Um, in God's, and and you know, what is God's actions all the time? Well, we read, and let's read Romans 8.31 as well, the well-known scripture. Um, 
What then shall we say in response to this? God is for us. Who can be against us? So in every situation, God is for you. So when, a, when if a child, your child was to die, God is for you. That's an extreme example, isn't it? Like you think about how can that be? Where's God uh, in all this? We don't fully understand, but we trust him. Love always trusts. And you've got to cross that bridge. If you don't cross that bridge, you're going to get hurt. I've seen people get hurt. One of my closest friends, he's now recovered and doing really well and remarried. But he, when his wife died about more than 10 years ago, and he, point, he was pointing the wrong direction in his heart towards God. He said, no, she will get healed. He, was, like it's, he drew a line. She will live. You know, I read the Bible and God heals. And, and he took a strong position. And when she died, he was angry with God. Angry. To the point where when I went to see him, he got the Bible and he threw it down on the floor. He said, it's a bunch of fairy tales. That's how angry he was. Pointed in the wrong direction. Didn't have his foundations right He's got, in terms of understanding who God is and how God works. If you read the Old Testament, it's quite violent. Very violent. Very aggressive. And often God's telling people even sometimes to kill the enemies. It's, it's, you think, but wow, isn't he a God of love? He is. So he's not looking at this life. This life means nothing to him in terms of how long you live, your duration here, what kind of a life you... you what rights do you have? Um, Galatians 2.20, I think Andrew's mentioned it briefly there. Um, I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. If You see, you've got to go to the absolute place where God says that you're at, which is you, have, you actually have got no rights. I know we've got a constitution in this country. All the constitutions, every country's got a constitution. Uh, in Africa, we've got two countries that are extreme odds to each other, Uganda and South Africa, on sexual rights. Which one's right? I don't know. Well, I think all I know is what God says. Because they, they polarized opposite. So, but, and people worship the constitution above God. I've seen it even when a lawyer took on a church in, in Pretoria. And they were making a stand on a sexual identity issue. And the lawyer, I've got, I had the newspaper cutting. I think I still got it. He says, your Bible must submit to the Constitution. There's no ways. No ways. Constitutions come and go. Politics come and go. You know, in 100 years' time, our country may look completely different. Look at history. Just look how the countries have changed over history. We don't serve... Con- we don't get caught up in the politics of this world. and We don't get caught up in civilian affairs, the Bible says. We've got to find out what are the kingdom values, because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He remains the same. His values, we're a value-driven church, not a purpose-driven church. We look to what God's values are, and we hold fast to those values, and we build from that. Lord, what do you say on this subject? What do you say on this topic? So if you can settle that, that you've got no rights, because I was going to mention slavery which is in the Bible, and a lot of people, critics of, of Christianity will say, yeah, God's into slavery. And if you look, read carefully, he's actually not at all. Um, but there are times when Paul references slavery when he, he writes in the, in the scriptures. And he's writing from a perspective, not supporting slavery at all. But he's trying to make the point of what is a slave, what is a free man, what is a male, what is a female. You're all just one in Christ. I mean, the Lutherans... The Lutheran church was well known. They sold themselves into slavery. 
They weren't even a slave type people, they, they, their culture at all. But they said, in order to reach slaves, we'll sell ourselves. They waved goodbye to their family on the shore as they climbed on the boats. And they, were, they went into slavery. They put themselves in a place to reach people for Jesus. Because they realized it's not about this life. I don't care if I'm a slave or not a slave. It makes no difference to me. But you see, if you're, not, if you're caught up in this world, those rights will become very paramount and very prominent for you. And you will fight for things in this world which have got no eternal value whatsoever. If you're dead in Christ, you're dead. A dead person has no rights. No rights whatsoever. See, you, you want to be resilient? You want to get to the end? I've walked in this stuff. I've seen this stuff. I was arrested for hanging out with black people in 1980. Fingerprinted, put in jail. So I'm, I do know a little bit about politics, okay? Um, and what people have suffered in this country. Has it been suffering? Terrible. Are things wrong? Of course they are. But it's all over the world. You can go to any country you like and, and there's suffering, there's injustice. He's the one of perfect justice. Will there be injustice in this world? Judges get it wrong. I know judges. I've met with them. They're so ordinary. You, you stick them with a knife, they'll bleed. They're just ordinary people. They've got marriage problems. They've got financial issues, just like anybody else. And they've got to make a call on people's lives. And that's why, that quick little aside, that's, that's one of the arguments against the death penalty. is because judges can make mistakes. And they've hung, executed around the world many innocent people. So people, you know, every time there's a, cri- a crime, you go on social media and they say, bring back that death penalty. Beam. Yeah, that's all very well. Maybe it's right. I don't know. I'm not making a call on that one. But you can get it wrong. And you've got to hang the wrong people. So we've got to know the mind of Christ. And we go and study his word. We go and, Lord, what are you saying on this matter? We know it's not always clear. But on the matters that are clear, let's make a strong stand on them. Let's, let's trust in our God, that he, he is who he says he is. See, if you don't settle these issues, you're going to get knocked around in this life. I'm a pastor now for 21 years, and I've 24 years in business, and I've seen people struggle if they don't have their foundations right. They're not pointed in the right direction. You are going to struggle and not be resilient. And, 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 but you're going to get battle scars. You're going to get beatings in this life, on the spirit realm, but that you've got to push through and trust in God right to the end. So we need solid foundation. We need to know God relationally. If you, I know God. I really do. When I got born again at the end of 1980, 26th of October, 1980, man, I had such an encounter with God. He's so real to me. No matter what comes my way, He is so real to me. It's, it's, hard, I, I, it's hard to shake that faith. I've, as I said, I've seen such a, the brutality of this life. I've seen the underbelly of this life. It is ugly. But we've got a terrible enemy called the devil. And he wants to hurt people's lives. He wants Christians to get angry. He wants Christians to get angry with each other. We got guys, I've been in two churches in, in 40 years. One in Durban and one in Cape Town. I've been at Andrews since January 99 when it started. It's 15 people. We're now quite a big church. And I chose not to get offended. I chose to forgive. I think I shared with you guys earlier in the year, um, beginning of last year, I had a, COVID, a very serious COVID experience where when I arrived in the, the ICU COVID ward in December 2020, 
The nurse said to me, welcome to the COVID ward. You're either going home to be with Jesus or you might come to your family. The professor, the professor who set up this emergency ward came around the next morning. This is Mr. Fraser. I keep one bed open for someone who's dying. All these encouraging words came my way. And, uh, and, and technically, my son's mother-in-law, did the, she got me into the hospital. She did the x-rays. She said, when I saw your x-ray, they just shook their heads. They're not going to make it. But through prayer and good medical guys, here I am still carrying on. And then I got another one this year in, in um, June this year, another, I've got, yeah, I think it was about May, April, May. Um, I just had a routine blood test at the GP, and he said, No, you better go and see a specialist. And so the, one of the counts was very high, and so I saw the specialist at a biopsy. They said, No, you've got aggressive cancer. So I said, Well, can I think about it? He says, You've got three months to think about it. After that, we'll have to start all over again with the biopsy and all those things. So I had an operation in June this year. Cancer's all cut out. So I've had two attempts on my physical life in the last year and a bit. But all the time through that, obviously, I was never fearful of dying. I, was, I, I examined my heart. Lord, I'm, where, am I with you? where am I at with you? Is there any offense in my heart, unforgiveness, or anything I need to work through or process? Because keep short accounts with God. If you want to make it in this life, keep short accounts with God and with people. If you've got any unforgiveness towards anyone, any issue with anybody, sort it out. Best of your ability, the Bible says. It's best that you can, you try and make it right. I've fought to stay in fellowship in the church. I've been offended, I've been upset in my, my understanding. Maybe I was actually not have a right to be offended. But you know, you pick up offense quite easily and you, move, and you go and find another church and then you find another church. And you just take you with you wherever you go. So I said, Lord, I'd rather fight it out here. And sort out the problem. If it's me, then Lord, give me a love for this person. Let me restore relationships. Let me work this thing through. If this is the family that you've put me with, then I want to fight for this, this relationship. I don't want to jump around church to church and, you know, hoping that the next one will be better. Because I must have been the problem. So relationships take work. You've got to fight for relationships. You've got to fight to stay in. You're in a fight. You're in a war. There's a war for your soul. The devil wants you to get angry. He wants you to get offended. He wants you to be neutralized, that you're ineffective in the hand of God. When the Lord wants to use you, I think Andrew mentioned, I got a lot out of that little 30 seconds he spoke there. But when Andrew mentioned sort of, you know, God wants to use us in a good way. Are we available to be used by God? Are we busy licking our wounds and being offended and angry about life? And get back in the fight. Keep putting yourself back in the fight. You want to get to the end? Keep getting back into the fight. Keep going back in and say, Lord, here I am. Don't understand, but here I am, reporting for duty. I'm here, God. I want to be with you all the way to the end. I want to love you all the way to the end. I want to love your people all the way to the end. Even if they're unlovable. I may be unlovable, but Lord, work in me. So live healed. Live healed. Live healed and stay healed. You are going to get offended. You are going to have reason to be upset. Get over it, okay? Jesus died on the cross for you so you can live in freedom and joy and peace. He took all our sin on, the, on himself so that we can be those who live in freedom. And then don't give the devil a foothold. The Bible says the devil is prowling around, seeking whom he may devour. He's looking for a foothold where he can get in amongst us. Gossip, slander, grumbling, all these things are mentioned as not very good, as pretty ugly sins. So don't give the devil a foothold in your life. Don't give him anything in your mind, um, culturally or racially or anything like that. Do not go down that road. 
You will, it's so easy to go down a road and get offended and live in a place of offense and anger and bitterness and things that have been done. Guess what? That's going to happen all the time for the rest of the time on this earth. All over the place, people are going to get offended. I've had people tell me to leave this country, get out, go back to where I came from, which was actually from Durban, which is a bit weird. Um, I was told to go back to, well, I'm from, my grandparents are from Scotland. You know, I've had people angry with me because I can't speak their language, and I've tried. You know, they've got 13 official languages, I think. And, um, and the, all these things that come your way in this life. Uh, we've got yeah, so many things you could be offended about. Run the race marked out for you. Run that race. Jesus is for you. He's with you. And he, the great thing is he, he empowers you to live a fruitful life in this life. He empowers you to be able to forgive. You must just make the choice. That is the, you've got the seat of your will is your heart. We talk about the heart all the time. It's not the physical beating heart. It's the seat of your will. You've got choices to make every single moment when things happen in your life. You decide what happens to you. No one else can do it. You can blame other people all you like. Guess what? They don't really care. They're walking around there. You're the one who's been offended. And you're the one who's upset. You're the one who's going nowhere. You're the one who's not growing in God and, and full of anger and bitterness. Release it. Put down the suitcases of anger or bitterness. And if you're waiting for justice, you may not get it in this life. You may not. You might, but definitely he's the king of justice. He will bring perfect justice. He will rule perfectly. Perfectly into the next life. But you live in freedom. You live in a place of a place of well positioned in God. Say, Lord, take all of my heart. Take all of me. And I'll, I think I'm landing with this. Is a, I'm, often I mention this guy, well, General William Booth. He was in the Salvation Army in the 1800s. And when he died as an old man, just before he died, he was interviewed and they, and they asked him, how come, William Booth, that your life was so effective for God? He says, because God got all of William Booth. He got all of William Booth. Has God got all of you this morning? Has he got all of your heart, of your will? That every, every decision that you make will line up with his values and his ways. If there's anger in you, unforgiveness, will you line, take, kill the Bible says put to death anger. You, you do it. And you do it by presenting your heart. Say, Lord, I'm battling with this, but take it from me. And you might have to wrestle it to the ground. You might have to fight it. Bring it to God. Bring everything. Live with a pure heart towards everybody. Um, Jesus did. He's our role model. Be imitators of Christ Jesus. He came to a people that were oppressed by the Romans. They were, he was killed for something he hadn't done. Because um, it was injustice. And he took all that. And he could have retaliated. That's the amazing thing. He was hanging on the cross. And he said, I could call down legions of angels to wipe a lot of you out. He had all that power of heaven behind him. He could have sorted them all out there and there. But he says, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. All your people who walk in forgiveness for, for people who've offended you, hurt you, robbed you, stolen from you, all these things. But live a life that belongs to God. We are dead in Christ Jesus. Let's stand. This is a moment to get back on the blue line. Destination. Heaven with Jesus.
That's your destination. You don't want to get there on the grey line. You want to get there on the blue line. If you've got onto the grey line, you've deviated through attitude, then get back on the blue line this morning. Does God have all of you? And put your name in this space. Does God have all of Russell? Does have God all of Jenny? Put your name in there. Ask yourself that question, genuinely. Before you know it, you'll be in eternity. You can ask the older folk here, life goes so fast. So fast, you can't believe it. You've got one opportunity to live this life for Jesus. To win the prize, to gain the rewards. And the rewards for those who serve Him well, that's very clear in Scripture. Paul says, now awaits for me the reward. The rewards, the prize, the crown. Visualize that. Point your eyes right now to heavenwards and in the spirit realm. We're spirit beings. You're just in a physical body of whatever gender or color or whatever. As God assigned you, God decided that you should be. And live your life fully for him in this life. The minute you take your eyes off eternity and start focusing on this life, you're going to get angry. You're going to get bitter. You're going to be disappointed. You're going to grasp for things that you shouldn't be grasping for. Go sit at the bottom. That's what the Bible says. Go sit at the bottom. We all want to sit at the top, though. We want to, in your heart. I want to, what about me? What about me? What about my enjoyment? What about my pleasure? And that's the false gospel that we've heard in our time, and probably it was in the time back then as well. What about me? Well, if you're a slave to the Lord Jesus, you, you've got no rights. And in that place, actually, you find freedom. You come out of slavery. In, that, in your heart, you come out. You become a free person. We are free. The chains are broken. As you, as you, it's like, that's, the, that's the irony. That's the paradox of Scripture and of the kingdom values. Everything's back to front, to this world's values. You know, I don't want to be a slave, but in that slave place, you'll find freedom. It's weird. If you gain your life, you'll lose it. But if you lose your life, you will gain it. And everything in us screams against that, says, no, no. I want to gain my life. What about me? What about my bank balance? What about my possessions? And we start grasping. Lord, it's all about you. It's all about you that you get glorified through our lives. These temporary lives. The Bible says we're aliens. All of us are aliens. Passing through this world. Strangers in this world. We don't, this is not our world. This is not where we belong. We're having a temporary experience in these bodies. We're going to get resurrected bodies. It's beautiful. Heaven, heaven awaits. It's beautiful. No more pain. No more sorrow. No more sickness in that place. Isn't it wonderful? Consider the promises of God. Consider the beautiful things that He's got laid up for us. Visualize them in your spirit, in your mind. It'll make this life easier for you to go through. Knowing that you've got a goal. Paul, he found it. Peter, he's there. All the heroes of the faith, they're there. Examine your heart this morning. Examine your heart and say, Lord, have you got all of me? Am I really dead to myself? Because then I'll 
When in that place, it's the safest place to be. Do you trust God? Do you really trust Him or do you need to make, take actions yourself? Lord, I trust you 100%. If you've got an issue with trust, won't you get freedom this morning? You know where it starts is, because 1 John 4, 20 says, if you, how can you say you love God you've never seen? If you can't love man, you can see. Some of you need to learn to start trusting people again. Because God asks you to. Even those people are weak, they're frail, they're going to make mistakes, they're going to let you down sometimes. But still choose to trust them. And to give your heart back into being into relationships with people. I'm not talking about intimate relationships, I'm talking about just friendship relationships, which can be intimate. Choose this morning. Make choices this morning. Right now. Today's the day. Not tomorrow. Today's the day. Lord, I choose life this morning. I choose life.